I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice. And this show is supported by our show partner, Lacole. I think this is maybe the most one of the most dramatic uh, plot field races <laughs> of the season, one of the craziest races I've ever watched. It was drama even surprising us on the finish line. I just can't believe it. The Netherlands coming in with the strongest team ever for this hilly one-day race. 135Ks long. The main climb is the Dulce Road, 4.7Ks, 6.5% rolling ridgeline. Kagasaka Pass, 2Ks, 5%. Then a descent and then a rolling run in the same one we saw with the men uh, yesterday with like 1,500-metre, 5% climbs on the Speedway circuit near Fuji. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. But before we get into the meat of the drama, Another word on our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel. They've just released the Bradley Wiggins collaboration. I believe he's over commentating at the Olympics on the cycling. There's also the Project Aero McLaren collection, the lightweight summer collection, which is perfect for the hot conditions that we're having in Europe at the moment. And if you're in America, let us know down below. Have you picked up any Lacole? Kit, you can check it out at www.lacole.cc. Benji, I've got my mum texting me from Australia. She watched the race. She's criticising the Netherlands team. Let's start from the neutral zone and the break that went. Just after the neutral zone, we had a break. We have five riders getting away. That was Plikta from Poland, Oberholzer for South Africa, Kisenholzer for Austria. We had Loser for Namibia. That's uh, okay. Shapiro from Israel. So five riders in the breakaway. And they're not exactly the riders you would say, this is uncontrollable. We've got a peloton behind with obviously the full favorites for the race, the Dutch riders. So everybody expects, every single rider in the peloton expects them to take control at some point in the race, have one of their riders do something to make sure this gap doesn't explode to like, I don't know, 10 minutes. And uh, No one yeah. else should pace, right? No one else yeah, has a responsibility exactly. to pace. It's all that, that one, two, three, four favorites. It's on them to pace if you pace the dutch team and then avv attacks you win solo you look like an idiot and that's what's happening in or avv attacks Imola and um harrogate so it's on the netherlands to chase and what was the max time gap benji as a, it's like a drag run in before the main climb starts on doshi but uh, what was the main like 10 minutes 10 10 30 minutes actually Jesus. crazy yeah, it was not controlled by the Netherlands, and other teams were basically having a contest at when someone would blink twice and start yeah. pacing. And Germany was one of the first teams that did so. They put a few riders at the front and started pacing a tiny bit, not too much because the gap went down from 11 minutes to like eight minutes in like, I don't know, 20, 30 kilometers. So that barely made a den into the breakaway's lead. But the break was having riders drop off. We had like three riders left with the most notable names being Kiesenhofer and uh, Plikta and Shapiro. Those were the three riders that were left. And then we had a crash at the back in the group behind where the control was not really there by the Netherlands. And one of their riders went down as well. So that took away more of their lack of control because they weren't going to pace while somebody was behind. Exactly. Annemiek van Vleuten went down and in a very similar way as uh, Thomas yesterday. Yeah, so there's this center 
uh, seam in the middle of the, the same spot on the road before Indolshi, uh, like a Belgian, like the Belgian roads. The, what do they call it? Wait, wait what? You know, the, there's well, on some of the. Are you insulting races, my roads? I am. Well, the cement ones when there's the crack of death in the middle. The seam in the middle. Yeah, and okay. anyway, Norsgaard hits it. Front wheel goes, and then Van Vleuten. She had a fair bit of time to avoid her, and there's space either side. But she seems to hesitate. She's like, "Do I go around her?" She then like hard breaks, and she tries to avoid her, and she flips over. They get their bikes tangled up, um, and yeah, but she gets back on. She seems she seems okay. Uh, no, not really banged up. But again, as Benji said, just when she's coming back, AVDB is not going to pace. And I was just surprised. I mentioned this in the video I made. The Netherlands brought a team in 2016 with Ellen van Dijk in it, clearly domestique. They brought four here, all who could win the race. But at some point, someone has to, and I thought it would be AVDB because she did that willingly in Liège and Lacourse for Vollering. I thought she would do some of the brake management if it was required, but they didn't. They get onto Doshi, on, it starts to climb proper. Dijk and riders like that, Tiff Cromwell, are starting to get put under pressure. Uh, and um, Rick Winder as well for America and Vollering tries an attack. I was like, okay, so you got okay legs, but Vollering attacks first. When the gap is at like seven minutes, she gets brought back, she gets marked out, then Van Vleuten counters. And again, I don't, I knew Van Vleuten would attack on Doshi. I thought if the break was ahead, the gap would be at three feet, three minutes, four yeah. minutes. You know, attack that sort of gap. I think attacking when the gap is at seven minutes is basically arrogance like we can just attack a seven minute gap it also is very risky because if she crashes has a mechanical if she's affected by her crash is she not on the legs of 2019 harrogate if the course isn't as hard as they think well then Voss can't win the sprint from behind because yeah. netherlands aren't going to pace behind so it's all on her at that point right exactly and additionally we need to keep in mind that at this point, they had all the time in the world to go to the car to ask information about the breakaway. Exactly. They had She'd all the time there. in the world to know. Yeah, she just went there exactly with the crash. They should have told her that the gap was, I don't know, 11 minutes. Perhaps they told her. We don't know that. But at that moment, she should know. Otherwise, that is a failure on their end. And she decides to go when the gap is so large. She decides to try and bridge that gap, which is almost an impossible journey. And at that point, I was already thinking, well, if one of these breakaway riders is on a relatively good day with the gap they have on top of Doshi, well, they just collaborate. They, they can they can make it happen, and that's where the break kind of fell apart because we had an attack by Kissenholver on the Kagosaka Pass just after the top of Doshi Road, and she dropped the other two. And I was there. I was like, okay, this is dangerous because if you collaborate, you have a larger chance of winning this race. And you all three could go to medals. But apparently she felt strong enough and she decided to go there. And from that point onwards, that entire tactic would be based on, is it good? If she wins, yes. If she doesn't, no. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not, what's the point in, what's the point in bringing two fast women, Vollering and Voss, to then have a strategy where you don't really bring them into play at all? Yeah. Bring a domestique then to control the break more. It, it makes no sense. And then we basically have, as Benji said, Kiesenhofer goes clear. She's a PhD, uh, like she's a maths, maths doctorate. She Cambridge. Uh, went to Cambridge with PhD in Catalonia, I think. She makes the calculation on that climb. 
And yeah, I thought it was risky. I was like, oh no, you're going you're to actually put the medals in risk. But she went solo TT rider. She hasn't done a race this year except the Austrian national champs. She's presumably, yeah, unfortunately, the economic conditions in the women's peloton, um, unless you're a top, top rider versus being a, a PhD maths professor in Lausanne, I can see why she probably turned down contracts. Um, but yeah, she hasn't done a, a race this year apart from Australian National Chance, but she's going so strong. Drop Shapiro is a pro rider for Canyon Shram. And Van Voyen is just dangling Benji. Five minutes, five minutes for like 45 minutes. And if you see someone, to close that sort of gap, you need to be eating in quickly. And if you're not eating in 20 seconds yeah. quickly, you've got you to pull it. But the thing is, did, did you see anyone in a moto holding, holding up signs? There's no team radios. I don't think the car, was the car even allowed to go into the gap? I'm not sure the car was allowed to go there, but I am aware that there was a certain moment where she was shown something and she responded something along the lines of, whoa, okay, that's still a lot. But then she made a movement that she was like pointing behind her. And it was super confusing. Like, I don't know if she knew at that point how much the gap is, but she should know. Like, she just attacked from a group that was eight minutes behind where she just crashed and was at the car. So at that point, you must know the gap. If it's like 10 kilometers later, your gap is not going to be suddenly one minute to the breakaway. Like, the only information that she knows is that there is a break ahead. She should on paper know how many, roughly, unless she... And the team of the Netherlands didn't count at all how many brake riders were caught throughout the parkour because that's kind of important in a race without radios. And the gap couldn't have been that much smaller than eight minutes, couldn't have suddenly been two minutes because she only went into the attack for like five to ten kilometers at that moment. So on paper, she should know that the gap is still significant at that point. The only thing she can't know is that Kisenhofer dropped the other two riders exactly. at that point. But she knows there's three. Yeah. She knows there's three up the road. She just doesn't know that they've they've broken up into groups. So Van Vleuten being like 40 seconds out of the peloton, and the peloton was not cooperating. The cooperation was terrible. Poor Olga Zabalinskaya, the Uzbek, who won bronze in the Olympic road race in 2012. She's a vet, I think, like 41, still going really strong. She was pacing. She doesn't even have any teammates. She was the one pacing half the time. And then other riders are coming back. We see Daigat coming back, I think. And we're like, well, this group's going so slowly. And they're only 30 seconds behind Annemiek van Vleuten. So the stasis of van Vleuten being ahead, not catching the break, and then Netherlands not helping behind, no cooperation, basically allows Kiesenhofer to just keep doing a pace and keep that gap. And eventually Daigat, I think, Benji, was the one who put the hammer down and caught van Vleuten with on like the descent of uh, Kagosaka with oh, 30, 25 Ks to go. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't see it going well anymore. Like 430. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 430 gap is not enough. It's too much. And like you said it, you said it earlier. You've got Van Vleuten that had that gap. She eventually had to get called back up for uh, by the peloton. And this is where tactics come into play again. You're with four in the front group at that point with the Netherlands. Four riders. What do you do? You don't attack. You decide, what are we going to do? You talk to each other. And then you decide, okay, who's going to sit up for the sprint? Who's going to start pacing? Who do we keep for a late attack? Like, if I was a Diaz at that moment, my response would be, obviously, there's no race radio, but they can decide this through each other, in, uh, like talking to each other. They were talking to each other. And oh, it's very simple. Voss, I, I need to be going the front. Ah, I would have done it differently. 
or AVV because she's already had her chance. Van Vleuten got given exactly. her chance to go for AVV gold. AVV and Vollering. All right. Place. Because right. one of the sprinters, one of the two sprinters is not necessary for the sprint. Sure, you can have a lead out, but you might as well do so with Van der Breggen. So you have two riders spacing, Vollering and uh, Van Vleuten. And you keep Van der Breggen for a late attack just in case. Yep. Or to kick in as well and help as well in the late portion of the race. Voss sits up for the sprint. That's it. There is your tactic. And they didn't do that. They decided to keep on attacking for the next 20 kilometers. Attacks going left and right by other people. They, for like 10 kilometers, didn't do anything. They just sat Nothing up a lot of attacks were, were going on. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. Because we still have three riders ahead of them. They haven't caught Shapiro and Pilcher at this point. So I was like... I thought Van Vleuten was riding incredibly selfishly. I was like, you've had yep. your chance to go for a solo attack. It's not worked. You've dangled. Now you need to pull the brake back. Voss was looking really, really good. And yeah, she didn't. And we still have this gap. Like now it's hanging at four minutes because no one's pacing. They get to the last, I don't know, they get start to get to the last circuit. And we see the Shapiro, and, uh, is it Pilcher Benji? They're absolutely, they're perishing in the heat. They're going backwards. We start to see other teams start attacking. But we're into like 15Ks at this point. The gap is still 330. You're not going to bring back unless uh, Kizanofa cramps. You're not going to bring it back. And they bring back Shapiro and Pilcher on the, on the circuit. Eventually with like 10Ks to go, AVDB and Vollering has started to pace a little bit, roll turns, and then they stop. They stop pacing and then they start to roll attacks with Van Vleuten, even though Kiesenhofer is now 2 minutes 30, 2 minutes 50 up the road. And it was already done at that point because there was so many opportunities in the last 25Ks where Netherlands didn't take control, didn't pace. Uh, when Van Vleuten came back, I was like, why are you doing a team time trial? But anyway, Kiesenhofer goes, goes solo. There's nothing really much else to say and wins the gold medal by like a minute behind with Van Vleuten and Van der Breggen attacking and countering and then ELB, uh, Longoborghini countering. And what what came next, Benji? When you, you were watching AVV come over a minute later, what did she do over the line? She started celebrating. She started celebrating way too much for Silver. And for a rider like her in the team that she is, the only thing she should be happy with is gold as a team. And she crossed the line and she started celebrating like crazy. And I was like, Something's off here. Something has to be off here. We had other riders coming in, ELB coming in for bronze. We had Kopecky just missing out on the podium and does the medals. And unfortunately, like a good two minutes later, we see her saying to the camera in Dutch, Good, equested me. Of, uh, or something like, Shit, I was wrong. And that is a mistake, you know. She thought she was riding for victory for gold. She thought for 45 seconds that she was the winner of yeah. the Olympic golden medal. And it, it was in, in that light, their tactics once they catch Shapiro make so much sense. Yeah. Where they have in the group, they use their numbers to attack. They think they're going for gold. Same with Kasia Nuviadoma, I guess. She started to attack going for gold. Their tactics in that light start to make a lot more sense. We saw Voss shaking her head. I, I just maybe this is a problem with no not having race race radio or team radios that you know, or no one holding up a board communicating. But the thing is, Kizanoffer was solo from those group of two for like an hour plus. It's not like she attacked across off those two riders in the last 
five minutes or five Ks and went solo. They should have known or had an opportunity to know she was solo. AVDB was at the back of the peloton for ages, Benji, doing nothing. Like she had an opportunity to go back to the car. And I think this is just a fuck up of monumental proportions for the Netherlands, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, Van der Breggen's words after the race were, I tried to count who they had called and thought they had everyone. The tactics weren't wrong. We just had not the right info. With our info, we did all the things right. That's not right. It's completely wrong. It's completely like to blame it all on the race radios and the lack of communication is wrong because you gave the break 10 minutes, 11 minutes when you could have just, if AVDB and Vollering, Vollering wasn't on a good day, they could have maintained, managed that gap to cap it at seven minutes and then they still win, they win easily. So how does the race radios excuse the arrogance of attacking with Van Vleuten at across a seven-minute gap and then creating more problems for themselves. Like, that's that's not good strategy, Benji. And I guess maybe you can excuse them in the last 10 kilometers not knowing. Yeah, but you can't excuse them for all the tactics that happened beforehand, like you said. The initial point of them giving a breakaway like that to 11 minutes is just, it's not very intelligent. And, like, we know that they need to take control or nobody will. And they decide not to end well. That's what they get for it. They had an, a race that was basically made for their team. There were some other people that had an opportunity, but most likely a Dutch rider would win if they played it better at the start, and they didn't. So they lost because of that. And I will not accept the excuse of our race radio is the issue here. Uh, it's part of the problem, sure, but... It's a problem that you knew beforehand and that you weren't prepared for to have the information across the entire board. And as a consequence, you weren't able to act on the correct info right on time. And beforehand, when you had the info, you didn't react on time either. So I don't I don't care. The winner deserves it. Anna Kissenhofer, absolutely godlike victory. Crazy she doesn't level. have a team, hadn't have a, had a team since 2017. Lotto Sudal, where she decided to deny a contract to become a mathematician. And she's now working at uh, Swiss Institute of Technology, something like that, uh, as a side hustle next to cycling. And um, <laughs> I think honestly, <laughs> bloody it's amazing. Just, it's, it's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. It's sad that we have these talents who are able to do a 130k solo drop professional rider world tour riders and beat the netherlands team on their own and a offer you know 30 years old still in her prime and the economic conditions in women's cycling are not like obviously the trade-off to be a maths professor it's she made that decision or maybe maybe it's not about the money or whatever but um or the stability but She's clearly talented enough to be riding at world tour level. And, um, yeah, that's a shame, but it's also incredible for her. Like imagine if you're one of her students and your professor just straight up did 130K solo to win Olympic gold. At, she would have been 1,000 to 1 or something and she hasn't even not even on a pro team. A crazy story. And I think uh, I accept maybe AVDB got bad information about the gap to Shapiro and co, but um, – they basically, the Netherlands approach was the people in the break are complete scrubs. Van Vleuten can just attack across the seven-minute gap and do, do whatever she needs to do. And uh, we don't even need to bother controlling them or respecting the lead they have. And it's it's bitten them because it created a more dramatic scenario in the last 20Ks where they maybe couldn't go back to the car, which they didn't. So um, 
yeah, I mean, you're Belgian, Benji, but um, uh, I want you to monitor the Dutch press, please, for is there going to be an inquiry to this? I made a video saying this is the most overpowered team in at the Olympics or, you know, at Tokyo. It still is. They literally yeah. won every hilly one-day race this year. The, the team is ridiculous. And um, do, do you think it's as simple as not bringing someone like Ellen van Dijk, the glue to keep it together? Yeah, exactly. And... The breakaway riders in this race kept on asking how much a gap was in the peloton. Well, that doesn't seem to have been the case because even in, uh, Lizzie Dijkman said, oh, the, the strongest rider won, referring to Van Vleuten. So it wasn't only the Dutch team that didn't know. And that that's what surprises me. Like how many of the peloton would know and how many didn't? And I'd love to get like a survey post-race about this. and but get the, the solo data. riders can't go back. Yeah. The Netherlands have four. One has to go back, right? Like Diamond yeah. maybe doesn't have a teammate. Um, but you you posed a question to me off air. Do you think this is a, even good, not having race radios, having this bizarro result um, when for the rest of the year they race with race radios? No, radios? I, think this, I think this is bad for cycling because you've got an entire sport of cycling where race radios are allowed. And then in the Olympics where that sport is supposed to be consistent with the entire season otherwise you won't have a representative winner there you don't have race radio that's not representative of the sport and that shouldn't be the case that's my opinion on that that's dumb but that doesn't excuse what happened today for the netherlands they fucked up and well it's kind of their problem now i'm happy for austria and for kisenhofer yeah it's crazy conrad winning his first tour de france stage now oh and you know first one for austria in a while now kisenhofer taking olympic gold this is one of the biggest upsets ever in Olympic history, I think. I know that's probably – it is. She's literally not not even on a pro contract. And someone just messaged me on Instagram saying it's a reverse Stephen Bradbury, uh, like the um, the Australian ice skater. I think – I don't think that's the case because Kiesenhofer was mad strong. She dropped World Tour riders and she just got underestimated as well. Um, and I should probably read out the top 10 results we're getting <laughs> for completeness. Kiesenhofer first, only a minute 15 ahead of Van Vleuten. That gap was certainly closable if they worked in the last 30 cohesively or did a little bit more work. Elise Longaborghini third, taking bronze, 129. Then Kopecky, fantastic result from Kopecky. Might have a word on her on second, Benji. Then Voss, Brenauer, Rivera, Cavalli, Zabalinskaya. Love, it's good to see her in the top 10 after all yep. the work. Ludwig, 10th. But Kopecky, Benji, are you surprised she uh, got over those hills? Uh, so well and I, I guess if they catch the break or if it's let out for a Voss sprint she would have been a metal lock honestly I thought that people overrated the Dauchy Road a tiny bit when it comes to like the damage that it would do to the peloton before the race and I was getting scared when we got closer to the race that I was wrong about it like <laughs> people are keeping up telling me like oh they're gonna destroy this entire peloton after it they're gonna have five riders on top ten riders and that that was not the case. The the peloton stayed closer together and so forth. And I, I forgot your question. What was it again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm that trying one. to get you to hype up a lot of Kopecky. I'm getting paid oh, yeah, by the Belgian government and you're not even doing it right. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. <laughs> Kopecky was still in the group. And I I don't know. The problem with Kopecky is that a lot of the times this year she had a puncture before she was supposed to do a climbing area in a race. And therefore, I didn't have a good recent knowledge of if she would make it over, but I'm glad she did because now we know for the rest of the races. So that's exactly. awesome. She missed out on the podium, but hey, she's got lots of races she can do well in for the rest of uh, the coming years. So I'm still hyped about it. Yeah, what a race. I mean, 
we were expecting it. I was thinking, oh, maybe it'd be a little bit, a little bit boring, but crazy drama. Maybe we, if we put race radios in, that doesn't happen. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, for the TT, Diget's looking pretty good. Diget came back. I mean, she's barely done any road races this year, and she caught back on and was looking really strong, eating into the gap. So um, she eventually dropped herself pretty much in the run-in. But yeah, I'd be interested to see how Diget goes in the TT against Anna van der Breggen uh, later on. Oh, at the start of next week but yeah any last thoughts benji on um on this race have you seen anything on twitter any excuses any anything that might temper what uh our criticism yeah i don't know uh it was nope <laughs> I, on honestly this, the race started off pretty boring like i thought okay this is not really that entertaining and then suddenly it became hella hilarious so I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed it way more than if the tactics and the the finish and the outcome of this race would have played out differently. But there's one thing that I don't like about today. That's this kind of race is not good advertisement for women's cycling. And I would much rather have a Liège-Bastogne-Liège race with the viewership that the Olympics has. I don't know what the numbers are going to be, but I think it's going to be big because it's worldwide. Every Every single country watches the Olympics, basically. So I would much rather have an LBL be representative of women's cycling in such a large viewership because I want it to do well and I'm a bit afraid of the outcome of today because it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, and also if AVV did win and just bridged across solo, that also I don't think is a, is a great look either. Yeah. Whereas we have races like, as Ben, you said, Liège, super, really good tactics from SD Works, dropping Voss, leading out this like selfless riding from Van der Breggen, Lacour, super exciting. Um, so, yeah, it is, a, it is a shame in that respect because this stuff can happen in the men's race as well, of course. But, yeah, let us know down below, do you think, um, there's some excuses for the Netherlands team, or do you think there's going to be a national inquiry when they get home if they if they're allowed home? Well, they should just ditch the entire plan of having their best four riders at the race and just take four riders from SD Works, and they'd have a better result. <laughs> they can't. What do you mean? Oh, you mean like? Uh, well, I guess there's Majerusen. Majerusen is Luxembourg, mate. No, but that's what I was getting. You're like saying Mulman should ride for the Netherlands. No, no, no. I mean, for Dutch riders from SD Works, and they would work together. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be keen, hopefully, some stuff gets leaked out about Voss and AVDB and Van Vleuten. Maybe there's some miscommunication there as well. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think down below. We hope you enjoyed the recap. If you're listening for the first time, make Maybe. sure you subscribe down below on the YouTube channel. If that's where you're watching, give us a like on the video and or uh, subscribe to us on podcast players or give us a review or rating. It makes a big difference for us and we've really enjoyed doing the Olympics so far. Stay tuned for the TT coverage of the preview dropping tomorrow and then the recap obviously after the TT. But hope you have a good Sunday. Ciao. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.